fresh off the block. The hustler just returned. Welcome to the Success Lab Podcast, where we explore the varied paths to success and the connections along the way that profoundly impact them. I'm here with Chris Mackey, uh, the Community and Economic Development Director at the City of Phoenix. Um, So thank you for taking the time today to do the interview. Thanks for having me. And so I know that you've just been so much responsible for leading the um, just the business development team um, and attracting businesses to Phoenix. Um, so I wanted to talk to you a little bit more about that and just the growth that we've seen here. Um, so during the past five years, um, just in I know that you've, you've located hundreds of companies here. Um, I guess what has been sort of uh, the the key thing to attracting companies here? You know, the last five years here in Phoenix has been crazy cool with the number of companies that have selected Phoenix to locate. But even more importantly, it's been the diversity of the companies in different disciplines, as well as the quality of jobs that we've been been landing. This used to be a market that was retirement and golf courses and in service sectors, and it's now cybersecurity and software and technology companies and advanced manufacturing and aerospace and all these great, uh, great entities. And the secret really has been our workforce. They are who um, these companies are looking for. They're in a close commute. They're educated. Um, for a really long time, we were the second largest employee creator for Silicon Valley. So our workforce would graduate from university or community college or certificate programs, and they leave for Northern California or for Austin or for other areas. And so it was working diligently to create a place where that workforce wanted to stay. Um, and that's going miles in attracting new companies. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's that's awesome. So kind of to back up, can you tell us a little bit about your journey and and um, just what led you to this point of uh, as community and economic director for the city of Phoenix? Absolutely. So my whole professional career, um, for the most part, uh, has been in commercial real estate or economic development in Metro Phoenix. Um, so I worked for a commercial brokerage firm, a real estate brokerage firm in the 90s, and we would go out and, and hunt for new companies to come back to Metro Phoenix. And I always found myself wondering about the companies that we worked with. Did they like the space? Did the employees that moved in find good schools for their kids? Did they? Was it everything we told them it would be? And I always found myself thinking about that. And I found myself being drawn more and more to the economic development side, to the government side, where I could actually keep working and and building a community and working with those companies to ensure that they stayed and that they grew and that they they found and helped create a great place to live. So instead of moving now from transaction to transaction, I get to be part of a team that builds a city. And not many people get to say that in their career, that long after they're gone, the buildings they built, the companies they helped, the the jobs that they helped create will be here. Yeah. Yeah. And how great to bring that background from commercial real estate to that too. You know, I really find that that's an advantage in economic development is that I actually worked on the private sector side, having to make projects work and to really understanding 
um, how projects would work. My mentor, uh, who was the the president of, of, of the commercial brokerage firm I worked for, used to put me in his car and buy me a Slurpee at the 7-Eleven when I was much younger and make me walk failed industrial buildings and tell him why they were vacant. And so I got to learn from the ground up how buildings function, how um, planning plays such a key role into whether product is leasable and marketable. Um, and sometimes the two are truly diametrically opposed to each other. What planning wants and what the market can support are two different things. So sometimes I can be helpful in kind of helping the dialogue between the two entities to make sure that we have great products that are their citizens are proud of, but our companies find usable. Wow, that's that's very cool. That's that's a neat story too that you got to walk through those those buildings and kind of detect what it was about them. Yeah, always not so fun when it's 115 degrees in the dead yeah. of summer when he would take me, but we did it. Yeah. Oh wow, good learning experience. It was though. a great learning experience. <laughs> um, so it sounds like that was certainly one. But were there um, any connections or significant relationships along your journey that really just shaped the trajectory of your career? Oh, absolutely. So um, Bill Gosnell, who was the president of the commercial brokerage firm I worked with, took the time not just to say, I need you to do this, but he would take the time to take me with him to explain why we were doing it, um, really asked for my input and helped kind of shape what he was working on based on, uh, again, a very young, I knew everything about the world back then, um, girl, and let me be a part of the projects he was working on and let me kind of stumble and fall on my face a little bit on on projects and really helped me learn things on the way up. And so he, I still look at him, you know, gosh, that was 30 years ago now. And I still call him when I have questions or I have what, you know, what my team runs screaming when I get off the elevator and say, I've got this idea. They'd scatter as fast as they can because they know some crazy new concept is going to gonna get unveiled. But I usually call him first and kind of say, I'm thinking about this crazy thing. What do you think? Is this, is this supportable in the market? Will the market buy into this idea? So um, really, as I look back, really him was who gave me a chance, who, who trusted me. And then, um, you know, in my first economic development job, I was the researcher and started a, a, the research base in, in City of Chandler's economic development and worked my way up through industrial specialist and senior specialist and, and then became the director. And the city manager at the time uh, for the City of Chandler really took a chance on me. I had never been a department director before. I had, uh, um, you know, a strong economic developer and had been doing that for gosh, at that time, about 10 years for the city of Chandler. And he took a chance on on somebody who didn't have the experience of leading a department and and helped me. Um, the assistant city manager, his name is it was, he's retired now, Pat McDermott, um, took me under his wing. He'd been a city manager for decades and really challenged me to put my story together, to get my facts straight, to be able to work with the council to explain to our citizens and our council why my professional opinion was what it was. It wasn't just, hey, I've got this great project and you need to believe in me and buy into it because of who I am and it's my idea. He would challenge me. I'd walk in with an idea or a project and say, I've got this great project and this is why and this is what we should do. And he would challenge me to... um, convince him 
as to why we should do what we do. And I learned really fast. He was not challenging me to be obstinate. He was challenging me so that I could sell it to the community and the council. Because if I could convince a tenured city manager and a very opinionated city manager as to why this was important, then he knew it was a good project that our council would get behind. So those two men in my life really shaped my career. Oh, wow. it's That's so amazing to me. It's sometimes these relationships that we form early on, you may not know the impact that they're going to have on your life. And then looking back, it's they just can completely change your path. Well, I remember when I first started as, as Chandler's research assistant, you know, young, lowest man on the totem pole, and the director was out. And Pat McDermott, the assistant city manager, who I'd never met at that time, but I knew everybody was afraid of. And he called me because a presentation needed to be created and it needed to be created quickly. Got it done quickly, send it over to him for his quick review. This was back before email was very popular. So you printed it out and you carried it over to him and we walked through it. And I remember thinking on that very first meeting with him, here is this high level senior government official who's taking the time to sit down with this little whippersnapper, walk through a presentation, talk me through what he thought, where it needed to be in a very gracious, genuine manner. And from that, I never could figure out why people were afraid of him. Because from day one, to me, he was this collaborative, creative educator on on how not to become a government bureaucrat. Oh, wow. That's, yeah, that's, that's good when you can um, meet the, the person behind it and, and not take what others are saying at face value. Absolutely. Um, so I know you're, you're a native to Arizona. Um, and as you mentioned, spent the early part of your career in commercial real estate. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess, what do you see becoming sort of one of our next economic drivers? Because for a long time, real estate has been traditionally one. Real estate was always the driver. And that's why Arizona has always been such a cyclical market. As real estate goes, so goes the rest of the economy. If home building isn't going, then the entire economy tanks. And that's not the case anymore. At the end of the recession, I think a lot of us got a lot smarter about, let's not do this again. This does not sound like a lot of fun to have to go through the the Great Recession again, where we as a city tanked and we scraped along the bottom for a really long time. Other economies were coming out of it a lot faster than Metro Phoenix did because we were still so reliant on home building. And now it's about jobs. Our legislators, our city councils, our citizens, the economic developers, we all understand that if we if we ever put all our eggs back into the construction basket again, we're going back down again. And it's not something we want to do. So it's now, it's about emerging technologies. And it's about companies that have high wages that are bringing educated jobs for all of our citizens, not just for one sector. So as we look at aerospace and advanced industries, and we look at software and cyber and biosciences and healthcare, those are really the sectors that we focus on and go after because those jobs then have a secondary multiplier that create a lot of other jobs for all of our citizens. So everybody has the opportunity to have a great livable wage job in the community that isn't reliant on construction. And not that construction aren't great jobs. They are. My brother's raised his family on a construction job, and they're incredible jobs. We just can't be reliant on that growth. It has to be on a good diversification of base in, base industry and not just construction and sales tax. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
That makes a lot of sense. Um, so you've been obviously tremendously successful in uh, luring a lot of companies to the Phoenix area and, and downtown Phoenix, certainly. Um, I guess how, how do you make impactful connections with these companies and help them realize the potential in the Valley? Absolutely. So um, I work with an incredible team. So the entire team on our economic development sector here for the city of Phoenix, we work really well together and we each complement each other's strengths and weaknesses. So I, I really, you hear a lot that you, you know, we're a strong team. This team is a strong team that's incredibly supportive of each other and brings something different to, to day, to work each and every day. So we are everything from um, working with the national site selectors, those that are representing large companies looking for a new location, the Greater Phoenix Economic Council, which is the regional marketing arm for Metro Phoenix. They are our best kept secret. They're incredible at, at national and international site selection. Um, to You read a, a piece in a paper and you understand that you know, just because a company's announced a new product line, when you're reading the article, you see, oh, great, that's that new product line. When you're an academic developer, you know it's an expansion for that company that we need to get in front of really quickly to bring back. We hear through multiple channels about companies who are looking for expansion opportunities. But the single most important place that we work through are our existing companies here in Phoenix. We have about 16,000 companies in the city of Phoenix, and we do business retention expansion programs where we go out and visit with our existing companies. We want them to grow here, um, and we want them to expand here. And that is the lion's share of new companies moving in. They're connected to existing companies or an existing company is connected to a new company moving in. So our existing companies are, are truly our greatest source of, of exp expansion of existing jobs, but also of new companies coming into the market. Mm -hmm. Wow. that's I didn't even think about that aspect of it. Do you do a lot of one-to-one -one relationship building with existing companies and then ones that are outside currently? Oh, absolutely. So you mentioned early on as we were chatting that, that your, those connections are so critically important. In economic development, there is nothing more important than that one-to-one -one connection because you never know what's that one thing that's going to turn a company's decision into choosing Phoenix. And when you can chat and visit and get to know them over, you know, people think what we do is an immediate gratification. We reach out, yep, I'm looking or no, I'm not looking. It can be a years-long relationship that we create. My longest to date before a company made a site decision is eight years that we worked with a company before they finally selected um, the Phoenix market to land. And some are, you know, within a month or two, they've made a decision. But average is two to four years that we work with a company before they make a decision. And so that one-to-one -one connection, that one thing that speaks to that individual decision maker is critically important. And the one thing that's important to this company is not important to the other company. And it's really meeting one-on-one -on -one with that company and finding out what's important to them. What is going to make their business thrive? What is the, what's the connection that they need in their site decision uh, an analysis? Mm -hmm. Wow, that's really ties into um, marketing and, and um, how a lot of businesses are marketing to one another and, and using that highly personalized approach. It really does. You know, I, I see a lot of, and I mean no disrespect, I see a lot of advertising in real estate trade publications of states around the country and cities around the country that advertise for 
companies to choose them to locate. I can tell you in 30 years of my career, I have never had a single company call me and say, I saw your ad in a magazine. Oh, wow. So on that note, is um, has there ever been or is there um, something that comes to mind or sticks out in your memory of um, maybe it was a, a highly personalized outreach that you did to someone or just some way that you really won a client over? I, the one in particular that that's happened not very long ago, there was a company who was looking for uh, a location. They wanted an urban location, um, a, a large company that was considering a relocation, picking up from another market and actually coming here, which is really challenging for companies to do. They're disrupting families. They're disrupting relationships. They're disrupting their vendor connection. So it's not easy for a company to pick up stakes and relocate to an entirely new market. And I was working with a CEO of a company, and, and again, that personal relationship. He happened to mention on the phone that his daughter um, was going to um, look at Arizona State University, and he would be here for a meeting with Arizona State University to um, look at, at ASU, and did I have time to meet with him afterwards because he was going to be here with his daughter. I called my contact at Arizona State University. I logged online. I found his picture on his LinkedIn. I sent it to my colleague at Arizona State University. She found him in a sea of thousands of parents and freshmen and walked up to him, put his arm around her daughter and said, don't worry, we'll take good care of her. They landed in, um, they landed in, in Midtown. And he told me that that was single, that I had I thought enough to make sure that his daughter was comfortable was ultimately what, you know, everything being equal, but that to him was his turning point, to work with a city that cared that much about his family and knew how hard that was with his family that they would locate. Yeah. So not spending tens of thousands on an advertisement, but made a, a, phone a call. personal connection. Yep. Logged on and got a LinkedIn picture and made a phone call to a very dear colleague who who carried out what I asked her to do. Wow, that's that's amazing. Um, so once once the companies are here, are there strategies or programs that um, the team has in place to to help keep them um, keep companies successful um, or help them um, uh, maybe reduce uh, churn or just thrive here? Absolutely. So. We always like to tell our companies when we're working with them that this isn't the last. We don't locate you here and then be like, okay, our work is done and, and we walk away. We always tell them you're going to get tired of seeing us by the time we leave. We have so many programs that we can be helpful with with our companies. We have uh, job training worker training programs. We can help them with their job fairs. We help them um, pre-screen resumes so that they're not seeing 100 resumes. They're seeing the five that are qualified for the jobs that they have. As I said, we host job fairs. Um, we can do the the, the interviewing. Um, then we do the training. They tell us what we need our workforce trained in these skills. We can do training for them at no cost. Uh, with our business center. But they can also call us five years down the road and say, we're implementing this new piece of technology. Uh, we'd like a, a training program set up for us so that we can get our workforce trained. So to your point, to stop that churn, it's a wonderful program that the city of Phoenix offers. And very few cities actually offer that program. But for us, what it does is even if the company ever leaves, we now have this workforce that's even more highly educated to help us attract new companies. Sometimes they have problems. You know, they don't know. We do this day in and day out. They don't know how to navigate the permitting process or they need signs. 
or, oh my gosh, my employees can't go left on the signal coming out of our building. We can work with streets to get a few more seconds of green on a signal, or they'll call, there's a bush blocking, and things as simple as there's a bush blocking the way, or, you know, my employees are, are upset because there's just not enough restaurants they can get to at lunchtime. And I mean, to that level, we work with them. We work with them on our our state programs that we have on qualified facilities and quality jobs and research and development tax credits and and you know um, renewable tax credits and many other programs that are available. You know you don't want to you don't want just your new companies. The kind of the sex and sizzle that makes the front page of the Arizona Republic is the new companies locating in the market. But we have not done our job if we aren't working with those companies once they're here to ensure that they're successful and make sure that they have access to the nuances of programs that we have. I have one that I helped most recently. It was a company that was struggling with a, a, um, a testing to get through their FDA process. So I made a quick call to University of Arizona. University of Arizona helped them do a really small test and a very highly specific test that they needed done to get their final application ready to go into the FDA to get their product approved. They couldn't cut through the red tape to get through to U of A. I've got the people on speed dial, so when they call me, I can make the connection. They made that happen, and off their application went to the FDA. So even anything that our companies think that, oh gosh, that isn't something they can help us with, usually we can. That's that's for and to kind of tie it back to business again. It's um, you know so many businesses really focus on the customers they've got because it it costs more to go out and get a new one. Absolutely. We, yeah, there's so many parallel lines here between there really are and if and, you know I always like to say that if you th- I'm always around the country recruiting new companies I'm in other markets recruiting companies expansion or relocation on a constant basis if I don't think there are seven other states in my city today trying to recruit our companies away then I'm foolish and if we're not out paying attention to their needs the grass always seems greeter on the other side. And I know how I sell my city against the city that I'm in when I'm trying to recruit a company. And they are in my city today trying to recruit our companies away. And our job is to make sure that doesn't happen, that our companies continue to grow here. Yeah. Wow. That's And it sounds like um, just through listening and getting feedback and, and meeting those needs, just like a business would do with their customers. Well, it's a ton of fun. It's, it's when economic development stops being fun, we all need to stop doing it. You know, it's a it's great building, helping companies and building a city. But it's also not just our team. We work closely with the Greater Phoenix Economic Council. We work closely with the Greater Phoenix Chamber of Commerce, the Arizona Chamber of Commerce, the Black Chamber of Commerce, with the Asian Chamber of Commerce, with the with the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, and you know the Canadian and and Arizona Technology Council because they're you know now you've you've leveraged all of the assets of all those employees that are out in the market every day working with our companies. And I can't get to 16,000 companies. I've got six people that do visits. You do the math on the number of visits we can do every year. But by working closely with our partners, they're deployed in the market. So we've exponentially set up the number of companies that we can get in front of and ensure that they're successful. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's very smart. Um, what are a few success stories, and I know you've shared a couple, but just that you're particularly proud of, um, and then have a, a secondary question to that one. Sure. So I think probably if you ask me right now, the thing I'm most proud of is the redevelopment of Park Central Mall. So a nineteen uh, late 1950s mall 
that was thriving. When I was a kid, that's where we went to do back-to-school shopping. It was my mom's first job was at the Goldwaters at Park Central Mall. Um, it was a, a, a centric to all of the retail shopping, the first mall in Metro Phoenix. Um, over the years, it fell into disrepair. The suburbs got malls, the suburbs got freeways and master plan subdivisions, and Park Central fell into disrepair. It really languished from the mid-1990s until um, just last year when an entity was able to reassemble, or we like to say is put Humpty Dumpty back together again. There were multiple owners and multiple easements and multiple restrictions over the property. And we were able to work with Sharon Harper at the Plaza Companies and Stan Schaefer at Halualoa Investments to get the property all put back together, which then allowed the city to enter into a community facilities district to build a new parking structure. So this is a 40-acre property, 330,000 square feet of built environment, and 3,000 surface parking spaces right on light rail. Not really the epitome of urban, um, you know, adaptive reuse development. So we were able to work together to come up with a way to build a parking structure to replace the surface parking so new buildings could be built on this once failing parking lot. And out of that came Creighton University and their medical school announcement late last year that they'll be training about 800 new docs um, over the years in that in that facility with 21 new programs, uh, medical programs here in Phoenix. So it wasn't only, it was kind of, I'm so proud of it because it was multi-layered. It was helping to get the property and working with great ownership to get the property all back under control, working with our brilliant city council who understood the vision of the city investing in a parking garage that we'll own at the end of the day, but over a 25-year period, it'll be leveraged as an asset to make that area succeed to working. I'd worked with Creighton for about three years before they made their site decision. Um, and so all of it kind of layering together. And now um, we are getting ready to make some very big announcements about tech companies that have selected Park Central uh, in very short order. So Park Central absolutely, in my mind, goes up to to one of the most successful things I've had the pleasure of working on. Um, the second would be the really the expansion of high-density residential in high-rise living in downtown Phoenix. Growing up here uh, really wasn't a place you kind of came in at 8 o'clock in the morning and you got back out at 5 o'clock at night. It wasn't a place you stayed. Mm -hmm. um, who wanted to live down here? You know, in the 1970s, there were about 55,000 people that lived in downtown. But again, kind of like Park Central, the suburbs were invented and people did what we called a flight to quality. And they got out of downtown. Working with really creative national urban developers. You know, you look out the window, you see nine cranes in the air right now, and they are predominantly on high-density residential. And getting people to live back in downtown, there's 173,000 people that work here in the central city, and they're commuting in. Only about 3% of them, 4% of them, actually live in the central city. The rest are what you see clogging up the freeways and, and having these long commutes. And by bringing this high-density residential it's that workforce that attracts the companies that then fills the buildings that retail follows and creative cool uses follow. So that the placemaking that's happening here in downtown Phoenix today is something that, you know, super proud of as well. Yeah, it's it's amazing just to uh, look out the window here and see all these high rises and you, you almost forget you're in Phoenix. 
I was I was watching the news one morning, and um, one of the helicopters was flying over, and and downtown Phoenix was lit up. It was about four o'clock in the morning, four thirty in the morning, and downtown Phoenix was all lit up. And he said, "Look at that little Phoenix, all grown up." And I really thought that is. And now when I drive in and I see it lit up because I come in in the dark, it's like I think of that every day. Is that you think about where we were. Even 10 years ago, you know, before light rail, before ASU, before U of A's medical school, before all these things that have happened, and downtown Phoenix was such a different place. It really was, yeah. Having grown up here, I can attest to that. <laughs> um, so you've you've made so many just great one-to-one relationships. Do you have any um, tips for just building those um, really meaningful relationships with people? I think the most important thing is never forget that the person the person that you're talking to, what they're talking to you about is really important to them or they wouldn't be talking to you. Don't look past that person for the next person that you should be talking to. It's a you're making a connection to that person that you have no idea where that relationship is going to lead to in the future. Um, I was chatting with somebody at a sister cities event one night, and you know everybody was trying to pull me in different directions. But he and I were having a great conversation, and and it was important to him what he was talking to me about. About a week later, he called me. Unbeknownst to me, he was an attorney that represented a very high-profile IT company. He really enjoyed the conversation we are having, and they've since landed 700 jobs in Phoenix. And he made the connection for me to the person that we were talking to. Everybody's got a story to tell, and everybody, what they're talking about to you is really important to them. When we meet with the community members, you know, people are like, well, I'm, I'm a little business. You you work with Honeywell. You work with USAA. I'm not that important. No, they've got lots of people that work on their behalf. These companies, that's really important to them and listening to the members of the community and not forgetting what they tell you. When they're telling you their story, it is critically important to them. And if we don't walk, if we don't walk away from that conversation, taking a piece of that with us and trying to apply it in the future or make a difference in their lives, then we should be doing something else. So if I'm if I'm giving someone advice in how to make that one-to-one connection is don't forget that that person you're talking to try to walk around in their shoes a little bit and see what things are like for them. Never forget to follow up. If you say you're going to follow up, follow up. Even if it's just to say, I don't have an answer yet, but I haven't forgotten about you. I'm getting that right back to you. I'll do that sometimes at midnight, one o'clock in the morning. I'll send an email that just says, I'm so sorry. I didn't forget about you. My day got away from me. Here's the little piece that you needed to know. Um, But always do your best to follow through on everything that you said to someone you would do. Such great advice. Um, uh, Last question. Um, Well, actually, I did have two others, but um, what's one piece of advice that you would give to Valley entrepreneurs who um, maybe outside of um, what you just mentioned, but who are looking to make impactful connections here in, in the community? The, the Valley's entrepreneurial community is probably the most connected community that you'll find across the country. Because for the most part, we come from someplace else. You don't have to be connected to be impactful. So if you go to the East Coast, if your grandpa wasn't part of, of a certain organization and your dad didn't go to a certain 
elementary or high school, it's really hard for you to connect in and, and make connections because your family, your lineage of your family went back so far, you can't make those connections. For the most part, every one of us here is from someplace else. So we have the most kind entrepreneurial community across the country. If you've got an issue or a problem, they're happy to help. They'll grab a beer with you and walk it through. They'll have pizza with you and help with ideas. They are perfectly happy to take a meeting and and tell you, hey, this is what I found. And I would say if you need to make connections with the entrepreneurial community, don't forget your economic development team because we know most of them. We've had connections or meetings or or um, conversations with most of them, or at least we know where to start to make the connection that then is going to lead to a path down the road. So I guess my, my, my most important advice, don't be afraid to pick up the phone and call us because if we can't help, we'll tell you we can't help, but we'll tell you somebody that can. Um, and we'll dig and dig and dig until we can find the connection for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it feels like there's so much um, that you can build here too on your own and and as you were saying just that there's kind of a, a newness about it that really there's there's just so much opportunity well i think that's that you know when you look in silicon valley it's pretty cutthroat it's cutthroat for money it's cutthroat for workforce it's cutthroat for space it's cutthroat for ideas and concepts and getting them to market first here you're just as likely to find somebody who has their own successful entity saying hey I heard what you're trying to do. You're going down this one path, but if you went this way with this, you could actually fix what you're doing because you're going to hit a dead end and you don't even know you're going to hit it yet. They'll just reach out, cold call them, you know, through our incubators or through our co-working spaces or through our entrepreneurial leadership and say, hey, I heard an NPR discussion or a, a radio discussion about this. They're going the wrong way. They should be doing this. Can you help me make a connection so I can give them some quick advice? So it's not that cutthroat. It's not the, for a dime more, I'll switch, you know, I'll switch my loyalty from this company to that company. People are really bought into what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it certainly seems like it. Um, and okay, last question before we get into our speed round. But um, what do you foresee on the horizon for Phoenix? You know, I really think what you'll continue to see in Phoenix is is more of what you've seen in kind of 16, 17, 18 a strong focus on entrepreneurial creating our own companies and moving forward, um, a real platform for emerging technologies. It's a test bed with our fintech sandbox and with um, reduction of, of regulatory um restrictions that happen for our early stage companies so that they can get into the market and work. I think you'll continue to see the spin out of our primes, you know, our large companies that are here that have been here for decades who kind of encourage their their team members and their their workforce to create their own companies and drive their own companies moving forward. But I think what you're going to see that we've not seen in the past as much is that talented workforce choosing to move to Phoenix because we're seeing it thundering at us now um, where we hadn't seen that in the early 2000s and even into 10, 11, 12 and before 15. We now see talented, creative, knowledge economy workforce choosing to live in Phoenix and not because I've got a job and I'm going to move to Phoenix. Phoenix is where I want to be. So I'm taking my family there and then I'll find a job. That's exciting. For us, it really is. Yeah. Um, So the speed round is just a a quick, um, fun little thing we do. And it's just quick yes or no answers and or um, short answers. So are you a coffee drinker? Yes Yes. or no? Okay. Um, What's one business tool you're geeking out over right now? 
Oh, um, that would be our um, our Phoenix Core, our innovation district. Oh, okay. Um, what's a favorite piece of technology? My smartphone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I live and die by my smartphone. Yeah, they do so much now. Um, what's one book you'd pass along to a fellow entrepreneur? Uh, there's no free parking. Oh, I haven't heard of that one. To check it out. Um, who's one person you would like to make a connection with? Can it be dead? Mm-hmm. His name is Jack Swilling. He was the founder of Salt River Project and saw the Hohokam canals that were here 10,000 years ago and figured out how to move water around the valley so the city could be built. Wow, that would, that would be an amazing connection. <laughs> um, what's your favorite icebreaker when you're introducing yourself to someone, either in person or online? Usually a pretty, I kind of tell a funny story about myself or something about the the city that people didn't know. I always find the most important thing is to disarm someone before you start to talk to them. Mm, yeah, so true. And I always tell them a funny story that usually ends up being about me being something crazy I did or got in trouble for when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect introduction. Um, well, that was all the questions. Um, how can people connect with you or learn more about what you have going here? So multiple ways. Uh, our website is uh, phoenix.gov front slash econdev, E-C-O-N-D-E-V. Uh, my direct phone number for my office and my email is right on there. Uh, my Twitter, if they want to connect that way, is Chris Mackey, A-Z. Uh, and I respond very quickly to that. So easiest way for them to make connection is just to log on to our website and call me directly. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. Thanks so much for having me today. Mm-hmm.